Hey there, you scholar slash lady and gentleman of virtual reality. How's your day going? I hope it's going well. I have a couple announcements to make and a quick note before we get the show started. Um, so let's get this out of the way. Shout out. I want to make sure that I am thankful for the people that are listening to the show. So really quick, top 10 cities. Uh, on my feed that I've been checking out lately, have been checking out the podcast, um, Taipei, Taiwan, uh, LA, Santa Clara, California, uh, yeah, Santa Clara, California, San Francisco, I'm sorry, Germany, um, it's called Darmstadt, Germany, um, London, Palo Alto, Louisville, Kentucky, Los Altos, California, and Maynardville, Tennessee. Thank you guys for listening. I um I don't know why you are, but I really appreciate you doing so. Uh the podcast. Um and yeah, keep listening. So the next thing is um this podcast is very special. I really like the guys on Mind VR. But I didn't have the balls um to tell them, "Hey, stop working uh while we were recording at their offices." So there's going to be a little bit of background noise and I know I'm not the most professional uh, podcast person um uh, you've ever run into. Um and I accept that, but I want to improve. I want to make sure that the podcast gets better. Um, so I'm going to have to apologize if the sound on this one isn't 100% amazing. But at the same time, uh, the content is gold. And there's some really good stuff in this conversation. I had a lot of fun talking to these guys. And I hope you ha- get gain some value out of this conversation. Lastly, if you are in San Francisco on February 17th, 2015... I am hosting a meetup. It's called the San Francisco Metaverse Scholars Club. And it is fun because what we're doing is we're trying to bring together startups, developers, VCs, angel investors all together to discuss uh, how to make the metaverse happen and how to have an ongoing conversation about the implications of this thing. Um, as the technology progresses. So February 17th, Pivotal Labs, I'll be uh, putting the link in the show notes. And yeah, thank you so much for listening to this podcast and I hope you enjoy the show today.
This is InterVR, the podcast on all things virtual reality, and we are recording a podcast today out of the offices of MindVR. They are a startup out here in the Bay Area, in Silicon Valley. They are creating 360 video content and a lot more, I believe, and I'm joined today by Dave to my right, Guy to his right, and Philippe to his left. There's also, I think his name is Vincent, right? Vincent. He's on the phone, chilling, uh, getting work done. So, um, cool. Thank you guys for joining me. Really, I really appreciate it. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, so make sure you talk really loud or close to the laptop because my getup, my setup, my setup is kind of ghetto. Um, I'll try my best with my voice. Okay, okay. Thank you. I appreciate you. Quite scholar and gentleman of you. Um, so, <coughs> let's run through this. What is MindVR? MindVR is a content provider for virtual reality videos. Okay. And who's your audience? Our audience right now, we're working on music videos and we're um, approaching uh, Fillmore Slim, who's a really relatively famous blues singer. We've already gotten articles about him. People are expressing interest and yeah. their interest to see this is building fast. Yeah. And so like, who do you envision is going to be watching your content? What kind of person? What kinds of... Uh, you know what kinds of interests, what demographics of people are going to be taking advantage of your content. Ultimately, it's just about anyone because we're not only doing music videos and not just the blues, right? Mm -hmm. we, we are also shooting events. We we did a Renaissance fair and a Dickens fair. Uh, we've done other music videos of other genres. Mm -hmm. um, we are working on a fashion show. Uh, we'll be doing some industrial training. Uh, we may be shooting in a hospital soon to do. Um, you know, hospital previs of your operation type of thing, or, you know, uh, from the anesthesiologist view or whatever. So, the, you know, there could be all sorts of audiences. You know, it could be, uh, you know, in the, in the case of a hospital, it could be a prospective patient. It could be doctors in training. It could be nurses. You know, it could be the family members, you know, to see, like, what's going on there. So, and that's just one tiny vertical, you know. Um, it really is just about anybody. It just depends on the project that we're, we're shooting for. And so it seems like you guys are all over the place here, and that's good. I mean, you're tra tackling different verticals, like you say, different industries, different subjects. But with time being so limited at this point, you know, how do you prioritize what is the, the project, the next project that is going to be the most fruitful for your time and effort? Um, well, right now, we're just trying to fill out our portfolio. So anything that shows that we have an extended range above music videos and above events and shows that's what we're focused on um yeah after that it's going to be like whoever pays you know it's going to be you know um you know the value of it i mean we might do something free if it's really big and flashy mm -hmm. uh but at, at that point it really is kind of like who can who can pay the you know the asking price uh, we'll do a wedding if it's you know you know a high price uh, you know wedding you know yeah, that'd be cool. I've never. I, that's the first time I hear someone bring up a 360 video wedding, and I, I wonder. Like, I think in the future that might be something you guys might be doing, or mm -hmm. who knows? Yeah. So, what got you into 360 videos in the first place? What was the allure about it? And I'll start with Guy, guy and I'll work my way around Philippe and Dave. Okay, actually, um, this this actually is a. There was a, a company before this where we did biofeedback imaging, and the biofeedback imaging, we actually used a lot of augmented reality and bordering on virtual reality. So we've actually been doing this for what, Dave, like 25 years? More than that. Mm -hmm. Long before everybody ever coined it. So 
I think what makes us so good at this is we just have so much experience. We've been doing this for so long. Mm -hmm. But why 360 videos? Why? What is it about 360 videos that that you are pursuing? You know that that makes you that pulls you towards it. Well, like I said, we, we sort of evolved with the virtual reality, and we had that as soon as the Oculus came out, then we just got all excited because we actually wanted to show the biofeedback imaging in 360 degrees oh. to show off some of our other technology. And we just basically had all the pieces, and it was relatively easy to do. Okay, cool. What about you, Philip? For me, I've always been interested in film, so um, this was sort of a natural progression. I've always liked 3D films, but I always noticed that they're limited to what's in front of you. Mm -hmm. Can't get the side, can't... So it's neat to see it come out, but it doesn't really make you feel like you're there. Mm -hmm. When I discovered that 360 videos existed and realized the, how much it makes you feel like you're right there, that just got all my ideas going of, boy, what can we do next? I mean, we could do weddings, we could do music shows, but what else could we do with it? No one else has answered that question. So I'm, we're in a perfect position to be able to be those people who answer that question. What can you do with it? I like that. Well, I got interested in this uh, as, a, as a pretty young guy, so quite a long time ago. Uh, in the early 90s, I actually built my own stereo rig with binaural mics. And the idea was that I would take it on extreme things like roller coasters and bungee jumping and things like that, and then you know have a, have a headset with some optics in it that would sort that out. Uh, so I got that working for myself, but I didn't really know how to market it or anything back then. It wasn't, wasn't really around. So when this, you know, uh, Oculus came out, it was it was apparent that the technology had finally arrived to make this happen. And what I love about it is that you can go places that you would otherwise not be able to go. Mm -hmm. So whether that's to the birthday party you're missing back home, especially if you're, say, I don't know, on the space station or on your way to Mars, you know, something as mundane as that, mm -hmm. you know, would really make your day. You know, or, you know, people can't all sit at the Super Bowl or can't all go to the Olympics or something like that. Uh, but this allows for that. So it can take you places that you would otherwise never be able to go. And anybody can go there. Yeah, that's uh, I, and I agree. I think there's a uh, huge potential for this new medium. And I'd like to know more about, uh, you know, just try to shine a mirror on yourselves and the medium of 360 videos themselves. Because I, I'd like to know uh, how cognizant you guys are of the limitations of the technology thus far. And what you plan to do in terms in terms of improving that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'll start with Dave and work for Leap and Guy, but go ahead and tell me, uh, what are some of the limitations and what are you, what are you planning right. on doing to improve? Right, well, uh, you know, some of these are well known, like uh, with video such as it is, it's really just kind of a sitting there and moving your head around, you can't walk around in it yet. Uh, I know people are working on that. That's one limitation, another is the, uh, uh, Camera technologies is such right now that you have to buy a lot of expensive cameras. And they're not all one camera, so you have to get some expensive software to stitch it together. And that's very time-consuming and arduous, and there are stitching errors that you need to manually have. So it's, it's a very labor-intensive process right now. Mm -hmm. I have every confidence that that will be solved, and within a fairly short amount of time, a year from now, we're going to look back at the, remember when we had to stitch stuff by hand? You know, So I'm not worried about that at all. Um, but one of the things where I think we go that others don't is close up. Because when you have a rig like Jaunt's or, or others that are just all pointing out, you really have a hard time getting up close. And some people are actually creeped out, and that's where they stop, because they're creeped out that things are so close. Like you and I are talking like, and this is okay, you know, we, we feel okay. 
and this is the kind of experience that I think that people can be given. It's, it's an emotional experience. It goes right to your primitive brain when you're that close. And our rig is such that we can get that close. So we can go places that other people dare not go. And we're willing to experiment with things that can evoke emotions and, and, and hopefully some nice ones as well as some scary ones, you know, to, for extra entertainment value. Very cool. What do you think? Some of the limitations that I've had to deal with was have been just the the, the, the science of the optics in general. Mm -hmm. Because the cameras are so far out from the center nodal point, you're always going to get parallax issues. Mm -hmm. The rig that we've got, we tried our best to keep the cameras in as close as possible to limit those. We could technically bring the cameras in even closer to even reduce them even further. Um, but that's it's sort of a trade-off. And so it's, it's learning to live. At this point, for me, it's learning to live with the limitations and working around them. Mm -hmm. um, maybe if we can set up the rigs so that they're closer together, we lose some of the 3D effect, we get some of the some better uh, stitching, um, or may, uh, or if we make the cameras go out further, you can't get close up, we use that on, you know, shots of the Grand Canyon or something like that, something where you don't need someone to come close up. Mm -hmm. um, it's, 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 it's learning about these limitations and how you can use the benefits of that, of, of it to what you're doing mm -hmm. um, and learning to, to sort of push those limitations in the back so you never encounter them. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Yeah. Anyways, Philip pointed out, I guess, I guess one of our limitations is um, try, actually just trying to figure out what, what direction we're going to go and what works and what doesn't work. Um, I per personally, one of the biggest problems I have with this whole thing is just trying to get your head around that it's 360. Mm -hmm. You know, I have, a, I have a background in, in film. And you've got these ideas of how to do editing and editing, mm -hmm. editing in 360 and making it all work. There's there's a tremendous amount of limitation in VR. You can't move the camera sideways. You have mm -hmm. to do this. You have to do that. Um, and they'll and as as time goes on, I'm sure we'll work out a lot of these and probably discover other limitations that are holding us back. Yeah, this is a free for all question. Um, I I'd like to know what sets you guys apart from your competition. And Dave sort of talked about this with with Jaunt, but you know there's a whole spectrum of other of companies that are putting together 360 content like Next VR, Total Cinema 360, X-Res, John, so on and so forth. And I'd like to know, you know, what new perspective are you guys bringing in and, and what sets you apart slash better? I think what kind of what makes us a little different is, is that we're doing this because we love it and this is what we really want to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, when we made this video of this old blues singer, we wanted to do it because we wanted to bring him into the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And we want to be able to photograph some of these older, really famous musicians before they die. And, um, you know, because we're really enthusiastic and we're really into this, I think we actually get a lot more uh, done than other companies that have many times more money than we have. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that sets us apart from potential competitors like Jaunt or Speculative Theory is they seem to be more focused on the Hollywood experience. And bless them, I love the Hollywood experience. I want to see explosions. I want to see jets flying over my head. But that's not all the things that I watch. Sometimes I want to watch technical stuff. I want to see how to do this. Because John has had spent, they've got tons, tens of millions of dollars, they, they need to do that in Hollywood experience to pay off. We could do stuff that is out of their reach. They can't do it, but we can. We could do the technical journals, the technical manuals, a quick tour of of uh, uh, architecture, um, anything that's that's not a Hollywood experience, we have no problem doing. Mm -hmm. That's what I think. That's what we'll excel best in. Mm -hmm. Is there a trade-off? Go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say I was I, I would have said that, but uh, I'll fill in this that 
uh, most of us in this company have ties to uh, the entertainment industry. And so some of the experiences that we hope to bring you, at least in our portfolio stuff, will be um, some stars, you know, interviews with stars and, and, you know, little scenes and stuff that we can do uh, that, you know, we frankly think would be a lot of fun, you know, for everybody. And, uh, but I think, I, I, I also want to reiterate that we work up closer than most people. Mm -hmm. And so that part of that is, you know, these celebrities that we'll be talking to, you'll be talking to them like you're sitting there, not across the stage, not up, you know, 20 feet away, but mm -hmm. like they're really talking. And when they reach out and they go like this, you'll feel, you'll feel the heat of their hand reaching out to you. That's uh, that's the experience we're shooting for. Very cool. Tell me more about what you've learned so far. What works? What doesn't? Um, what are you still, tr you know, what is still nogging at your head in terms of uh, technical challenges of, of getting this thing? Because you know, guy was talking about like how do you get people to realize that you can turn around 360. Yeah. So, but but so far, like what are, what have been your successes in terms of figuring out what works? It's, it's hard because it seems it's it's this sort of ethereal concept of what works. Mm -hmm. um, I think what works is just the fact that we got it to work. I think that the thing that, that interests us is the fact that we, we we've figured it out. And not only is it theory, but it's in practice. That's what I think is the most impressive. What we've been able to do is, is apply all these different kinds of ideas of how to do it, how to set up the camera, blah, 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 blah. But um, apply it. Apply it in the stuff that we've done. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that answers your question. I think it does. Okay, <laughs> it does well. Well, I know that there's there are techniques, you know, for like you know, if you're not looking at the action, there's people around you are like pointing, you know, look over oh, there, or using audio cues, or mm -hmm. having leading motion, things like that. I mean, we're aware of that, and we we thought of some some others that I haven't heard anyone else say. Um, but for me personally. It's always the social aspect of it, and, and people who worry that this stuff is going to make everybody stay at home and lose touch with reality. I, I disagree. This has been the most social thing that's ever happened to me in, in the last 10 years, uh, is I take this to parties, I take it everywhere I go, and I show it to people, because now I'm interacting with them on a one-to-one -one level. They put it on their head, and they go, wow, well, this is really cool, but they're just staring straight ahead, and I go, now turn around. <laughs> and then they go, oh, my God. <laughs> You know, so in a sense, it's me telling them to turn around and then just, just dig in their reaction, you know, when their mind blows. So, uh, I don't know, that's just a fun thing I do. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> well, I, th I think one of the, I mean, one of the VR meetups is a big help. You know, like the, like the Little Rocks video, they're mm -hmm. talking about cues. Uh, we're looking at sound. Mm -hmm. we're, you know, we haven't gotten there, but we're hoping, hoping to have 3D sound so you hear the sound off to the side, mm -hmm. which will give you the cue to turn off to the side, just like, like with us around this little circle's conversation. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we can do this on a, on a 360 podcast. We can do it in stereo today. Yeah. A quadraphonic, or what do they call it? Um, Ambisonic. Ambisonic, yeah. We'll probably be able to do that pretty soon. Mm -hmm. LVR has been, did a, so LVR beat us to the punch if we were going to do a 360 podcast. They did 360 talk show. I don't know if they released it as a podcast, uh, quote unquote, but, but they have done it. Um, and going back to the subject, so Guy talked about how this is something that comes from more or less the heart. You guys are doing this because it's fun, because it's your passion. But and whereas bigger companies with more funding like John are going for like that, like Philippe said, this Hollywood rambunctious, you know, uh, explosion, explosion, uh, craziness going on. So what are the trade-offs or those two methods? I'm not saying which one is right or wrong. 
because they both have merits. Um, but I'd like to know, you know, what you think is the merits of their style and the merits of yours. Uh, and I'll start with Philippe and Guy, and then just like anything, just like a Hollywood movie, it's just sometimes I want to be excited, I want to be taken somewhere, I want that Hollywood experience. Hollywood exists for a reason, mm -hmm. and I think there's no debate on what that reason is. But Hollywood isn't the only production company out there. Mm -hmm. There's companies that make commercials. There's companies that make instructional videos. PBS. That's not a Hollywood experience, sure. but it's just as important. Um, I think that's what we're trying to focus more on is maybe, to coin a phrase, we're, we're for that PBS experience. Well, let's go to a tour of, of the Grand Canyon, a, a drive across America. It's not explosions, but it's still informative, valuable, entertaining, intellectually, so forth and so on. Um, I think that's maybe the, the trade-off is um, maybe it's less I'm not even, no. just the trade-off is, is just a different style of entertainment mm -hmm. that that um, and what's great is that there's all these different VR companies to do those different things we've got John to do the Hollywood experience we've got us to do the quote-unquote PBS experience um, other one LVR maybe doing a more indie experience mm -hmm. something anything but I like the fact that there's all these different companies doing, having different focuses, and that's what helps create more content to get people interested in VR in the first place. And to add to that, I think there will be audiences for all these different uh, companies in their different directions. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. There's room for everybody. Yeah. You know, you know we're, we're starting out with content, and I have to say that Jean, it really amazed me. I, I was thinking this would never make it for big Hollywood movies, but after seeing their little demo for their World War II movie, I think it will work. Mm -hmm. I and mean, they've done really good work. And we're, we're in sort of a little smaller little puddle here. They're, they're trying to do the whole ocean, mm -hmm. and that's fine. We want them to do that because we can watch and see what they do and learn from them. And also at this particular point, the thing that we find, especially comes out of the meetups, is it's, it doesn't seem like there's any competition. I mean, people at John tell us, I mean, I find out pretty much everything they're going to do. Somebody there is going to say something, and if they talk to us, we'll tell them pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's not this competitive, we're going to beat you out. Mm -hmm. I say that the one thing that we... It, which us being small could be an advantage is that um, like some of these companies have like tens of millions of dollars invested. Mm -hmm. well, those investors, they, they have $10 million. Those investors are going to expect $100, $100 million coming back in the next three or four years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we don't have, we don't have to worry about that. That stress, that pressure. Yeah, we don't have that pressure. We don't have the pressure to, 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 um, to bring huge amounts of money. Mm -hmm. Right, so I, I would add that, uh, and, and it may be what you were getting as others are focusing on narratives. You know, mm -hmm. like I get this a lot. Like, so how are you going to tell a story? I'm going to do a narrative. I'm like, uh, I'm not really worried about it. You know, we haven't mm. been approached by it. I've, we're thinking about it. We, we've got all kinds of ideas, things we'd like to try, and we're, we're certainly open to somebody who wants to come and work with us on a narrative. Uh, lots of interesting challenges in hiding the crew and the lights and all that stuff. But uh, we find that doing sort of real life stuff is. Uh, is just an awful lot of fun, you know. Yeah. So whether that's going to be, you know, a news event or some big party or a festival or, um, you know, like you're saying, tr uh, instructional videos, training videos, and in any kind of industry, whether it's putting together IKEA furniture or doing heart surgery, there's just, you know, it's not a narrative, you know, it's mm -hmm. a, it's just a, a technique of of recording. That is, so you hit on something that is. Um... That is huge, Dave. And it's this idea that VR in the first couple of years, it's all about storytelling. 
it's all about you know figuring out a way for this medium to tell stories in a whole new way that people have never experienced before and I see that and I think it's gonna go places but to assume that that's the only thing that is going to be part of this giant ecosystem slash industry is uh, foolhardy and I and I kind of commend you on seeing that other side um, like news events those don't have to be that you know start store start middle and end sort of stories you know these are things that are happening live and so you know how do you figure out what it is that you want to that you want to show um, are you going after the largest audience possible are you going after the thing that uh, really just tickles your fancy or you know, and probably I probably repeated this question, but like again, how do you prioritize the thing that is going to the content that will take you the furthest? Um, well, if we had a more money to, or I should say not more money, but just more time and energy to focus on what we really want to do, um, I guess a lot of it in that case is just what our personal preference in our films are. Mm -hmm. um, I've I, I did a bit of film in college. I wanted to be a cinema major, but long story. But one of the things I learned is, is like in the early years of film, there were really two styles of film. There was cinema verite, where they basically just set up the camera and let life be the content. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other type where it's, it's more narrative, where they, they use the camera to edit in magic and stuff like that. You know, you put the rabbit in the hat, you cut, and then you put the rabbit anywhere else and you start recording. There's, there's that type of editing. Um, I've always I, my style has always been more cinema verite. Just set the camera up, let life record it. And so if, if I was given an opportunity to do something I really wanted to do with VR, it would be something along those lines. Um, hey, let's do a tour of San Francisco, um, a driving tour, a bus tour, something like that. Then I, somewhere I could just set up the camera. I don't have to worry about actors. I don't have to worry about this. I don't have to worry about that. The kind of stresses that that or challenges, I should say, that other filmmakers might enjoy. Mm -hmm. I, 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 that I don't enjoy too much. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't mind doing it, but I just, I'd rather just, like, I love life. If I could just set up a camera somewhere and let life, let the camera just soak in, let life mm -hmm. and, and reality, that's what, I would, that's what I would do. And so, therefore, any film that I would do, I would prioritize more of that just life happening type of film versus something that has more of a narrative. Yeah, very interesting. Walk me through your production pipeline. What does it look like where you go from, I have this idea, to it's out in the world and people can view it on cardboard? Like, what is, you know, walk me through the different steps of what that looks like. At this stage, I think it really starts with guys setting up something with someone. Hey, I know someone, or someone knows something. We set up a meeting. We introduce that person to VR because most likely they've never even seen it, or they remember from the '90s as something goofy, something stupid. They don't realize what it's like now. We show them what it is. They realize what it is, and they say, "Okay, I want to be part of this somehow." So usually, it's right now. It's a musician. So we say, "Let's just record one of your shows." So we record one of their shows. Um, we go to wherever they happen to be, set up the camera, and record it. Um, at that point. It's all in our hands. We have to stitch it together, um, maybe edit it, put in some titles, and then it's ready to be finally rendered. Once it's finally rendered, we got it in a single video file. Then we just sort of release it into the world, mm -hmm. try to figure out ways that people can watch it. Right. That's the tough part. Though. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I wouldn't limit it to just Guy. I mean, we all have oh, yeah, yeah, people exactly. we know. Like, I got us yeah. into the Dickens Fair. And, and we learned a lot from everything we've done, right? There's been, like, logistical things, you know, like, 
uh, how long will the batteries last and under what conditions and, and you know, finding places to power up and, and transfer files and things like that. I've written some support software to aid that process. Uh, and um, at, uh, at the end of it, where we, you know, we end up with a movie, then it's kind of like, we, we're, we haven't really answered that question, what's the best player? You know, right now we're using VR player, but, you know, if I have to write my own, I will. And I know that there's some experiences, like, again, the Dickens Fair, where uh, we'll probably have to have our own app uh, for the kind of interaction we want to have with that ultimately, <laughs> instead of just one linear, like, um, documentary, so to speak. Um, what else? It seemed like there was another piece in there. There was the stitching, right? So it's actually kind of a, a multi-pass uh, thing, right? We'll do a pre-render. We'll look for the for the, the errors, go back, and re-render with, with those errors fixed up. Then we do the color balancing. We do the audio sync. Um, yeah, and then... Um and then the, 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 the oh oh and I have a 3D uh, Unity app that I wrote uh, that'll do titles and special effects and stuff so that that it, it creates the 360 um, stereo panorama you know uh, whatever you know so you could be juggling fire or you can just simply put up your company logo or whatever you want you know? very cool and you were about to say something? No, 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 no. okay how does your business model scale up? And the thing that I fear is that there's going to be this rush, this demand for content once um, CV1 hits the masses, once uh, Galaxy S Gear Gear VR takes you know takes its its full stride. You know, how do you guys? How are you planning to scale up your production line when the demand for content surges and you need more people and you need more? content out there how was what, what is that going to look like um that's probably where we start looking for some investment money mm -hmm. um you know right now we're, we're building up content and there's really not many players we're really excited about the fact you know we know that when there's a lot of players we've got content they're going to want to see it like i tell people when we make a video i'm saying you don't have to worry people are going to look at it because there's nothing else for them to see at this point mm -hmm. i mean there's just not that many things out there and the more people that that get out there and start making VR YouTube type things. The more we can get on, the better. But mm -hmm. I would add that I mean to scale up, we need we need more teams. For example, like you know, right now everything. Hopefully, there aren't too many conflicts. You know, your thing has a, an open date. You know, in our schedule, so we can do it. But if it conflicted with something else, we wanted to do both. We'd have to have a you know an A and a B team at least. You know, and in some cases we might only have two or three teams at the same event. Mm -hmm. uh, so how that works is, you know, we teach each other the techniques and hopefully we'll get some strategic partnerships with camera providers so that we can get enough, you know, hardware uh, to back us up, you know. Other than that, it's really just, you know, get paid, invest it back into the hardware to buy more hardware and hire more people and just build up like a traditional service industry does. And just go ahead. Actually, we're already teaching someone else. Nice. He's at a trade show in Los Angeles this weekend, but we've got a, a, a young kid. He's a, an avid fan of Bohemia, mm -hmm. so we hope to send him to India. And uh, he's coming up to speed and learning how to edit. And so we're going to have two film people and two editors that we need to get two rigs. Probably need to get about four rigs. Right? So, you know, we well, are I, I wouldn't even put a number on it at this point. You know, yeah, I'm just someday gonna we may have, you know, God knows how many, you know. But I think pretty soon we'll have to, yeah, okay. and yeah. it'd be nice to have. I'd like to see us double every year for a few years. Yeah, that'd be really cool. And the way I see it, I feel like you guys aren't just um, 
in the sandbox with John and Total Cinema 360 and all those guys. But there's another player in the game. And that, that player is YouTube with having allowed for 360 com compatibility, right? So now 360 videos can play on YouTube, which opens a door for the crowd, the public. And eventually, these 360 cameras, like the bubble and all those other cameras, are going to become more accessible. And people are just going to be able to create their own content. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I wonder again, like, how are you guys, is that, are you anticipating that to be a challenge in the future? Are you anticipating that that's going to be? I think it's, I think it's a boon that people will get the idea about being able to look around in a panorama. But none of those cameras can do 360 stereo. Right, so if they want the fully immersive 360, you know, 3D experience and uh, and with immersive sound, it's it, those cameras aren't there yet. No. Okay. You know, they probably will be within a few years. Maybe there'll be stuff, you know, that's small enough that anybody can afford, and and, and that'll be it. Hopefully, I mean, it's like. I don't know, pick pick any studio, you know, uh, ILM isn't out of business because anybody can buy a movie camera, you know. So uh, I think it just all goes to, um, A, there's there's plenty of life out there to be shot. And, uh, you know, we just want to be experts in the field that people go to when they want to get it done right. Um, and if they want to do it their own self, that's great. YouTube democratizes that. You can give it away. It's great. And, and if YouTube can do stereo panoramic and we've got another outlet to distribute our stuff so yeah i think it's all good that sounds awesome and I, going back to the yeah. idea of content and i wonder i want to know how you guys are wrestling with how much to charge for your content are you planning to charge consumers or customers for your content or are you are you i mean what is what does your monetization model look like at this point? I think, I think at this point right now, our content's just being given out for free because I think the challenges of actually getting it together to watch is sort of the fee. Mm -hmm. um, it's At this point, it's still it, VR is in its infancy, so there are not very many easy outlets or easy methods. To, so that is what will prevent people, prevent the rush. Mm -hmm. So we need to get people interested in it so we give it out for free. Eventually, it's going to get to the point where people are willing to pay. It's like it's going to be very easy to watch VR movies, mm -hmm. um, very accessible. That's probably when we're going to start selling stuff. But even then, how much are we going to sell it for? A dollar, two dollar? That's something we might have to just sort of eyeball when we get to that point. Yeah, I think I think it's evolving, and and I think for like two and three minute, you know, uh, music videos, it'll probably be like the iTunes of VR. Maybe even iTunes evolves into VR itself. I don't know. You know, we charge a few bucks for that. If it's a more personalized experience, maybe it's you know 20 minutes behind you know behind the stage with uh, your favorite rock star or something. I know that that fans are willing to pay tens of dollars for such an experience. And there's other types of content. And and certainly, if we were to start doing verticals like medical training and things like that, that would be you know that would be uh, negotiated, you know, for the, for that project. Mm -hmm. For the masses, we're going to probably, we'll make it affordable, you know, mm -hmm. for the, as many people as we can. Very cool. Um, what are the things that you see this uh, section of the VR industry evolving to? Like, do you think that, you know, the 360 cameras will just get better and better? And, you know, what do you... Here's the question: What do you think is the thing that people ask the most for when they try this, when you when they try your experience? What is it that that they wish they would be able to do when they put on the? Probably move, move. Probably walk around, move. But that's sort of a limitations of 
video camera itself. Yeah. I mean, you can't walk around and move in a movie itself. Yeah. As opposed to a, a video game where you have that kind of control. Um, I think I think it's it's underlined even more by the stationary uh, stationariness of the VR camera. At least with the regular movie camera, you can still walk with it. Yeah. Um, we're trying to work with that. We're trying to maybe at least put it on a dolly and move it forward a bit. Maybe put it in a car so at least things are driving along. Um, but that's sort of just the limitation of the concept, and I think people it might be something that that just people will have to learn not learn to live with, more like accept. Because, like, again, like, like it's just, like, regular film, you can't talk to the character in the film. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a passive experience. And people have accepted that for the last hundred years. That just, the stationariness of film VR, cinematic VR, might just be something that, that's just the reality of it that people will get used to. For for a little while. But, yeah. I mean, when, the, like, these light field cameras become practical, you know, then you'll be able to move around, at least within a, a range, you know. Like light field cameras, like Project Tango stuff? Like, um, like Magic Leap. Okay. You know, and, and a few others that I, I forget the names of. Like NVIDIA had a project they showed off about a year ago at a SVVR. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was like 54 frames simultaneously. So it was very small images, all pixelated and everything. But you could focus at any distance with your own eye. And it was, it was you know, when we have, you know, megapixels per eye, this thing is going to look really, really great, you yeah. know. And that's all coming. I mean, the, the, you know, the... Moore's Law is being shattered, you know, like at places like HP, you know, that's coming out with the machine and so forth. So I, I, I only see this stuff getting solved. And I think before the end of this decade, we're going to see some really amazing stuff. The stuff that we're doing now will be, you know, looked at as the way we look at film from the 1910s right now. And I was going to be like, wow, remember five years ago when we were doing a <laughs> one camera thing with the thing and you couldn't even move? Yeah, my day. Just really quick out of curiosity, what is the machine that XP, HP is working on? Because it sounds like something out of Terminator. Yeah, it does. Uh, now, I thought when I read this that I had to check to see if it was an April Fool's joke, but it doesn't appear to be. Uh, HP announced that they are all in on this thing they call the machine because they didn't have a better name for it. Uh, access is on the order, if I'm not mistaken, 640 terabytes per nanosecond uh, because it uses uh, photon, pho- photons rather than copper. It's, it's, it's glass and, and, and photons rather than copper and electrons. And they have these things called memristors, which are like instead of transistors or magnetic domains that are like essentially just a few atoms mm-hmm. that they can turn on and off with light. And so they, they have extremely high density memory being accessed extremely quickly. Mm-hmm. And so that puts, and at scale, they said that this can go in a, in a phone or it can go into big server machines or whatever. Whoa. So, and that it would be commercially available around 2018. This is what they were saying about a year ago. Whoa. So if that stays on track, by 2018, we might be seeing some really, really incredible stuff. That sounds insane. And guys, sorry we're inter- interrupting you, but you were going to say something before I asked about the machine. No? No. Okay. Uh, so you guys talked about t- going places that other companies, 360 video cameras, won't go. And I'd like to know whether you would go to the area of adult entertainment if the opportunity arises. If an adult entertainment studio came up to you and said, hey, we'd like some content. Can you guys help us out? Would you go in that direction? Because John already said they won't. Yeah, we'd probably like to distance ourselves from, from the adult entertainment industry because of all the legal house, hassles and, and and we'd like to focus in on music for right now. Okay. We, we don't want to be uh, become known as the pornographers of VR because then we'd be doing that for the rest of our lives. And we want to be in other 
you know, verticals and education and, you know, other types of entertainment and, you know, tourism and things like that. And, and you know, we don't want to be blacklisted from that kind of thing. So it's safer to stay away from it. Yeah. I personally, um, I, if anyone's interested in how I record stuff, how my system works, how the rig works, blah, 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 blah. I don't mind talking to anyone about anything. And if they want to as use a that consultant. In, as a consultant, exactly. Yes. And if someone wants to take that information and go into whatever industry they want to, more the more the merrier. I, I I'm the type of person I I want to just teach people. I want to inform people. Like my mom's a teacher. Her dad was a principal in Korea. I just teachings in my blood. I just want to share information with people mm -hmm. as much as possible. And I don't care where that information goes as long as I help someone with it. Yeah, I like your style, Philippe. Tell me more uh, about the so Oculus just put out their own Oculus Story Studio, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm under the impression that a few of those experiences, they're going to put out five experiences, and that a few of those experiences will be CG, storytelling CG experiences. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd like to know, get your take on it. What do you think about the CG storytelling experiences, um, and how will that relate to what you guys are doing? Mm -hmm. um, CG is definitely a different beast than beast than uh, cinematic VR by virtue of the fact that you have the ability to walk around. It's a more tailored experience than just plain old real life. Um, but, but wait, were you talking about pre-rendered cinematic or like real interactive? No, CG, like uh, computer graphics, like you made out of an engine, like Toy Story. Like you but are, you, are you using like a game engine to walk around inside of it uh, freestyle or has it been recorded to... Uh, I think the engine. Like I think a, the uh, game. I think okay. it, it would be. I would think that if they were going to create this, because I've seen Google Cardboard create this animation, this this 360 CG animation where you're just stationary and it's mm -hmm. cool, but I would imagine that Oculus being Oculus, and this is speculation, they would give you the ability to move around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so yeah so um so that's the advantage of CG, but on the other hand, it's it. Because it's a tailored experience, um, it's it's not reality. Mm -hmm. It's it's a fantasy. Um, some people like fantasy. I'm not going to say you should be watching fantasy, um, but uh, that would be. I'm not going to call it a limitation, but that's just its style. It's a system. Um, if I wanted to see something about real life, something that took really took place, um, I'd want to see a, a cinematic VR experience of it. Um, if setting up the the difference would be someone modeling the Taj Mahal mm -hmm. and someone setting up a camera, a cinematic VR camera at the Taj Mahal. I think I'd rather see the cinematic version of the Taj Mahal because that's that's what it really is. That's where someone actually went there yeah. and experienced that. I'm just sort of, I'm not going to say, I, I get a touch of that experience as opposed to if they someone made a CG version of it, I get to walk around, but eventually it's going to cut off. I'm going to be somewhere where just they never programmed. And that's not... For me, I don't think that's that's too fun. Mm -hmm. Now, if I was on an alien planet, fine, yeah, great. Um, but if, but if it's something that's in real life, I'd rather have the real life experience, mm -hmm. that cinematic VR experience of that real life thing, as opposed to something that was tailored, created, manufactured. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I saw those uh, guys from LA. What was that? Would they have their like in in the Rift uh, editing suite? Um, Visionary VR. Visionary VR, brilliant stuff. And we have we have a system that'll do that, not nearly as sophisticated, but we can render, um, you know, uh, machinima to 
you know, to a movie. I think there's a lot to be said for that. I've seen a demo. It was a very nice little rock monster thing, and it told a story, and it was very compelling, especially when the monster walks over you. I think there's a place for that. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, it, both in storytelling and in, you know, uh, how-to videos and things like that, all sorts of stuff. It's just a different technique, and, I, I, and we can blend that, right? We can, we can overlay that on, on live uh, stuff, which actually gets interesting because then it's not really just overlaying, but you sometimes underlay, mm -hmm. and sometimes you're meshing right at the same depth as, the, as, as you know, what's going on in the scene. So mm -hmm. there's the, literally that whole new dimension to, uh, to adding that kind of CG. That's a lot of fun. Let me ask you a uh, final question just to close, close things off and to keep things on a, on a funner note. Is there a possibility that we will be ever able to experience 360 movies with other people at the same time? And kind of like um, Mystery Science Theater 3000, uh -huh. where you're, when you're watching you know, the movie, but you can hear your friend who might be in Madagascar somewhere and you're uh -huh. watching the same thing in 360. Would that be possible to network that experience? I... I'm not much of a net, uh, programming network guy, but even I can figure that's going to happen. Yeah. By virtue, I, I, I could probably. I'm not much of a programmer, but I can. I know my chops. I could probably do something that it's simple. It's just you just stream a video over the internet, and anyone can access it. You just you just then you just Skype your voice between one another. I mean, you just whatever system. Well, you can even just do it over a phone. You know, a, a multi-line phone. Uh, you know. Have your phones, you know, <laughs> handy. You know, put yourself on speakerphone, and then everybody hits play at the same time. Well, no, no, no not even that. Just like you could, you could stream the video. Just everyone can watch the same video at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's a like SyncTube, for example. Mm -hmm. Everyone could log in and watch the same movie at the same time, mm -hmm. um, and then chat, saying, "Oh, I can't believe he did that." That kind of stuff. It's just a matter of just applying the concepts of VR to it, because all the videos they would create in VR, they're, they are just. Plain old MP4 files. Mm -hmm. They're just formatted so that a VR player can understand that that understands that format knows to take the top half, put it in your left eye, bottom half, right eye, blah 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 blah, um, and uh, apply it to to a sphere map. But that's that's just that's just that's just details. The short answer is you could stream video and everyone can see it at the same time. You could stream sound as is happening through Skype. Mm -hmm. You just combine the two together. It's just you know, peanut butter and jelly. I, I And that sounds like a delicious sandwich to have. Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, do you have any final comments before we bring things to a close? Um, thank you, and I'm really happy that you're doing these, these virtual reality meetings, and we want to listen to your podcast, too, so we can find out what everybody else is doing. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and I would say uh, if you want it done in VR, give us a call. Okay, I like that. MindVR.com. <laughs> yep. No, I was gonna say the same thing. Yeah. I mean, just, we're ready to work for you. Or, or if you'd like us to show you how to do it, you know, um, Philip really likes teaching classes. We, we will probably, you know, we may be the first people you know actually that, be teaching. This. I should, That'd I should cool. mention this. At some point, we've been discussing what we want to do for like a Kickstarter Indiegogo. At some point, I do want to do something. Maybe two things. One thing would be to write the book. How to do VR movies because mm -hmm. there really isn't anyone who's done that yet. Yeah. Everyone's just sort of figuring it out. I want to put the stuff on the paper. The movie version should be done in VR. It. And <laughs> the movie version should be done in VR. Yeah. The second idea was so there's this old, uh, not really old, well, the 20s is old, um, film made in the Soviet Union that I was taught when I was in film course. It was called Man with a Movie Camera. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the lessons of that film, the, all the guy did was just set up a camera, did different techniques. And that film is still being taught in film schools today because it, it teaches a lot, uh, film students a lot about framing and stuff like that. 
I want to build the VR, film the VR version of that. I want to film man with a VR camera mm-hmm. and um, make it so that it inspires other people. Well, how do you do this in VR? How do you do that in VR? Well, watch this film and it'll inspire you. That's what I want to do. Maybe we'll set up a Kickstarter or Indiegogo for both those projects in the near future. That'd be amazing. And please stay posted. Uh, how can people stay in touch and how can people uh, follow what you're doing? What's your Twitter handles and all that good stuff? Um, our Twitter, YouTube, Facebook accounts are all under MindVR and the number one. So M-I-N-D-V-R-1. Perfect. Uh, our website is MindVR.com. Sweet. Uh, and all that relevant information will be included in the show notes. Uh, I have conclusively concluded that you guys are true scholars and gentlemen of virtual reality. Thank you again for your time. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.